This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg, reporting from Tallahassee, where Judge John Cooper is set to announce his decision on the lawsuit over the governor's ban on mask mandates. So I think it's important for me to try to get my job done as quick as I can for you all, and then we'll see where we go from there. On the one side, you have parents who support the mandate. The governor has sought to insert himself into matters of local health concerns and impede the ability of school boards to do what they are constitutionally mandated to do, which is to operate and control their schools. There can be no rational, reasonable, competent basis to prohibit school boards from complying with expert recommendations from the CDC. On the other side, you have the governor and the state education bureaucracy. This is a case about a policy difference. Plaintiffs want this court to rebalance state policy and in doing so overrule the parent choice rights. That's the goal of that blizzard of data the plaintiffs put on your honor's desk. They are asking you to second guess the political branches and implement a different policy. No matter what the judge rules, an appeal is certain. Governor Ron DeSantis really wants to punish local officials who've imposed mask mandates against his order. The penalties will be applied to the politicians who violated the law. There'll be no penalties applied to school children or teachers or any of that. Attorney General Ashley Moody announces a settlement with the Florida Coalition Against Domestic Violence. The Florida Coalition of Domestic Violence, its foundation, will be dissolved, its assets liquidated, and the recovery of millions of dollars to the state of Florida, millions of dollars which should have originally gone to victims of domestic violence and not officers, directors, and certainly not Tiffany Carr for their own personal gain. The settlement amounts to about $5 million. We'll also have your calendar of political events and two Florida person stories. One is a Florida man who fell asleep at the Wendy's drive-thru. The other is a Florida woman who scammed her co-workers out of sick time for numerous medical maladies, all of them fake. We'll have those stories right after this from our sponsor. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. Following is a paid political advertisement paid for by Florida Education Champions. Online sports betting, it's legal and it's coming to Florida. With passage of our amendment next year, any tax revenues collected are required to supplement the Florida Educational Enhancement Trust Fund. Hundreds of millions of dollars in new revenue for students and teachers, with more choices and competition for Florida consumers. Be a champion today. Learn more and request your petition at floridaeducationchampions.com. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Friday August 27th. This is International Lottery Day. It's National Just Because Day. And in Australia, it's National Tracky Dack Day. A salute to jogging suits. On this date in 1881, a hurricane hit Florida and the Carolinas. 700 people died. In 1918, the Spanish flu arrived in Boston, beginning the second and deadliest wave in the U.S. In 2008, Barack Obama became the first African-American nominated by a major political party for president of the U.S. I watched it all from the nosebleed seats at Mile High Stadium where they kept the press. And one year ago today, Mike Pence accepted a nomination for vice president at the Republican convention, calling for law and order after the police shooting of Jacob Blake. 
The Florida Department of Health reported 901 fatalities to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Thursday, the largest single-day increase in the state's death toll in pandemic history. They did not all die in one day. Some of the cases go back a month or more. But the majority of deaths happened during Florida's latest COVID surge. In all, Florida recorded 3,151,909 confirmed COVID cases statewide and 43,632 fatalities. Tallahassee Circuit Judge John Cooper will announce his ruling this morning in a lawsuit over the governor's order banning mask mandates by local school boards. During final arguments Thursday, attorney Craig Wisenhut asked the judge to throw out the order and allow local school districts to make their own decisions on masking. Our hospitals are bursting at the seams. Our staff's burned out. Our nurses want to quit. Our ERs are full. We are weary. I don't believe anybody disagrees that the COVID rates in Florida have skyrocketed since June. I don't believe there's any disagreement that children now are being hospitalized at a rate higher than any previous point in this pandemic. The Delta variant is objectively and undisturbingly more infectious than any previous variant we have had to face. And despite that reality, despite all of the science, the governor has sought to insert himself into matters of local health concerns and impede the ability of school boards to do what they are constitutionally mandated to do, which is to operate and control their schools. There can be no rational, reasonable, competent basis to prohibit school boards from complying with expert recommendations from the CDC. Whether school boards strictly adhere to those recommendations is a matter best left to the local district with consideration of all local factors. It is what school boards are elected to do, and it is what they proved capable of doing all last year. We have rules that you know families can send their children now with bulletproof backpacks. And, the, and we'll have metal detectors and all these things in, the, in furtherance of public safety and children's safety in schools. But there's a faction that is opposed to a, a cloth mask that may save lives. There is no logical argument that can be made that in response to an emergency situation, in response to a pandemic, that we need to make it an option to not be safe. It can never be rational to tell a school board they are prohibited from adhering to the guidelines of the CDC and the, all of the World Health Organizations that agree that masking is an important part of a layered defensive strategy to control the spread of COVID. There can be no rational inference to dictating from Tallahassee how local school boards can or cannot protect their students from a disease transmitted from the mouths and noses of students between one another, taken home to their families, and then dispersed through our communities. It defies all logic that in furtherance of public safety, we give people the option to increase public danger. Governor DeSantis made an interpretation of the law. Effectively, not only did he limit affirmatively someone with a prior restraint on school boards, he also stripped them of their ability to even bring the matter for review or consideration. 
the law outlines that they can do these things if they can demonstrate something. And he took that away from them. He said, I'm not even going to let you do it. If you could demonstrate it, I've decided. And we don't live in a monarchy or a dictatorship. That isn't how our divided government is intended to function. And when an elected official oversteps the boundaries of their authority, that redress is best brought before a court competent to review those actions and to limit that overreach, which is what we are asking the court here to do. The state was represented by attorney Mike Abel, who argued that parents should have the ultimate say, not school boards. Your Honor, the arguments and positions we heard plaintiffs assert, this is a public health issue, not a parent choice issue. CDC guidelines should govern Florida schools. AAP guidelines should govern Florida schools. Local school districts should be able to initiate mask mandates. All of this, all of this flies directly in the face of the carefully balanced public policy determinations made by the state legislature and the governor. A plaintiff's positions Im implicate the one issue in which every parent who testified in this case agrees. Earlier this week, at the end of court, uh, the, 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 Your Honor asked the parties to see if we could find areas of agreement. Um, and I think we found one, and it's this. Every parent who spoke to this court, whether they stood for parent choice or mask mandates, every parent agreed. Parents know their own kids best. All the parents who testified agreed to this. Plaintiffs argue without any legal support or a shred of evidence that local school districts should be left to decide mask mandates. In other words, local school districts are better situated at making health decisions for parents than the parents themselves. The plaintiffs framed their case as a constitutional challenge, but at its heart, this is a case about a policy difference. Plaintiffs want this court to rebalance state policy and in doing so overrule the parent choice rights. That's the goal of that blizzard of data the plaintiffs put on your honor's desk. They are asking you to second guess the political branches and implement a different policy. None of the plaintiffs arguments support the court wading into this political thicket to rebalance state policy in the way plaintiffs want. And that policy has been fully resolved in the political branches of the government. The governor had the constitutional authority to issue the executive order and to direct the Department of Education and Department of Health to issue rules. As to all of other plaintiffs' claims directed to the executive order, all requests for declaratory relief should be denied. The state of Florida, as a matter of policy, inherently trusts parents with the responsibility to make the best and most informed decisions for their minor children. And one size doesn't fit all. I think, Judge, um, we can all agree that better days are ahead. But in the meantime, in this court, we submit that plaintiffs have not carried their burden on any claim. The separation of powers doctrine and political question doctrine should preclude the court from wading into this intense political debate that has been addressed and will continue to be addressed in the political branches of government. And respectfully, we would ask the court to enter judgment for the defendants. After listening to four days of testimony and arguments, Circuit Judge John Cooper promised there will be a swift decision. I appreciate uh, 
the effort of all the lawyers, uh, all the witnesses who came. I appreciate the concern of all the people who have been sending me emails on one side or the other. Uh, I, uh, I, I read them for, you know, review purposes to make sure there's nothing there for me to be concerned about, but I don't rule based on emails, of course, because you haven't seen them. I've not received any emails from any lawyers that I know of, and I haven't received all that many emails, but there is a level of interest around the state of people who uh, are interested in the case from one side or the other. Uh, from what I can read in the media, there's a high level of interest. And um, so I think it's important for me to try to get my job done as quick as I can for you all. And then we'll see where we go from there. The judge will issue his decision at 10 this morning, and no matter who wins, an appeal is certain. And Governor Rod DeSantis says he's serious about withholding money to punish school boards that oppose his order. The penalties will be applied to the politicians who violated the law. There'll be no penalties applied to school children or teachers or any of that. Um, in fact, if teachers just follow state law, you know, they'll be protected for, for, for doing that. Uh, so, so, that'll, so that'll be the, the penalties will be focused on the politicians. Um, but when you have a bill of rights, if your individual right as a parent is violated, then you have the ability then to go in and seek vindication. They're obviously doing the opposite there in Tallahassee. They're trying to basically nullify the parents bill of rights but you can also do it from the other and i would just note you know it was a little bit a little bit sometime in august of last year remember we were being sued because we had the schools open and we said parents need to have the ability to send their kid to school we got sued we did lose in the trial court and then we won on appeal resoundingly and kids were able to go and get an education and so that was something that was very very important but i do think that you know, th this will be resolved one way or another. I think the appeal will happen relatively quickly. Um, and then uh, you're gonna have individual parents because think about it. In terms of health, there's parents whose kids have not done well wearing the masks all day. Obviously kids with special needs have not done well, kids with autism, and then just kids who didn't don't learn as well when they're not able, particularly the little kids, when they're not able to see some of the facial cues and being able to do some of that. And so it has taken a toll on, on kids throughout Florida. DeSantis was in Immokalee Thursday to announce the latest Regeneron Clinic. And Dr. Ken Shepke with the Division of Emergency Management says if you've been putting off your COVID shot because of a pregnancy, there's no reason to wait any longer. We really do need two strategies. Obviously, the prevention arm, the vaccines are our best prevention strategy. And then we need our treatment arm. And now, thanks to the governor's uh, rollout of this, we now have wide available, availability to this treatment. So for the vaccines, I know a number of folks were wanted to wait and see some extra safety data, especially some of the, the pregnant women. That's quite understandable. And I'm hoping that folks will now be a little reassured that we've got full FDA approval now on, on the Pfizer vaccine. And now, thanks to some recent safety data on pregnant women, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology and the Society for Maternal and Fetal Medicine have both come out strongly in favor of advising pregnant women to go ahead and get that vaccine. So if you haven't looked at that recently uh, and you haven't been vaccinated yet, I encourage you to go ahead and take a look at that and see if that uh, might encourage you to get the vaccine. Another one of the governor's Regeneron centers will open in Tallahassee today. Appropriately enough, it's in the Governor's Square Mall in what used to be a Sears. Governor DeSantis says they've reached a settlement with the Florida Coalition Against Domestic Violence to recover more than $5 million and shut down the coalition for good. 
In 2020, at the beginning of the year, I ordered an investigation into the Florida Coalition Against Domestic Violence after reports indicated that officers of the nonprofit were receiving exorbitant compensation and that the coalition failed to provide accurate financial records to the Department of Children and Families. The organization was created in statute uh, almost 20 years ago to administer the Certified Domestic Violence Program in Florida um, and has received state funds for this purpose. The funding was intended to help the thousands of domestic violence survivors and their families to rebuild each year. Uh, instead, uh, the organization under the CEO Tiffany Carr was compensated millions of dollars uh, over a three-year period. Um, and we knew there must be accountability for the coalition's misuse of state dollars, complete lack of transparency, and betrayal of the public trust. And so we work with the Florida legislature uh, to quickly remove the organization from statute. Uh, in February 2020, uh, I signed House Bill 1087. Uh, the organization Solskjaer's contract uh, was effectively terminated upon my signature. The following month, we moved forward with a lawsuit to recoup money that should have gone to the citizens of Florida for whom it was intended. So today, the Department of Children and Families and the Attorney General settled all pending civil actions against the coalition, the foundation, and its officers and directors for more than $5 million. The settlement requires the foundation to liquidate all remaining assets and pay domestic violence centers $1.1 million to serve survivors of domestic violence. Credit where credit is due here. It was the Miami Herald and reporter Mary Ellen Kloss who broke the story about the huge payments to Tiffany Carr. The Florida House then launched an investigation into the coalition, and Attorney General Ashley Moody filed a civil lawsuit. The Florida Coalition of Domestic Violence, its foundation, will be dissolved, its assets liquidated, and the recovery of millions of dollars to the state of Florida millions of dollars, which should have originally gone to victims of domestic violence and not officers, directors, and certainly not Tiffany Carr for their own personal gain. Uh, this is how the scheme worked. Carr stacked the Florida Coalition of Domestic Violence Board with beneficiaries of the organization's funding. And then at the end of the year, when the organization was supposed to return unused money that was not given directly to domestic violence centers to the state, uh, it was then that she would arrange for the modification of her compensation in the form of bonuses, raises, and particularly paid time off. In one year, uh, Tiffany Carr received 360 days of paid time off. Now, I'll just remind everyone that's 365 days in a year. And in one year, it was uh, 465 days of paid time off. Over a three-year period after taxes, she received millions, and the compensation was so excessive that finally, when this money was redeemed, uh, just prior to uh, us coming into office, uh, it, was, it triggered uh, an excessive executive compensation tax liability under IRS rules costing a nonprofit one million in tax penalties. That is despicable, as the governor has said, this will not be tolerated in the state of Florida and under this administration. And I'm pleased to announce today that we have reached a settlement to recover millions for the state of Florida, um, uh, millions from the foundation, which will be dissolved. That will be, those monies will be sent directly to domestic violence centers and the Florida Coalition of Domestic Violence uh, and that foundation will be dissolved and its assets liquidated. And remember, this is just the civil case. Moody says a criminal case could also be filed against Tiffany Carr.
Your calendar of events, the Florida Board of Medicine meets online at 8. The Florida Board of Physical Therapy meets at 8 in Howie in the Hills. The Florida Board of Opticianry meets online at 9. Trustees of the Florida School for the Deaf and Blind meet at 2 in St. Augustine. And because you can never get too much crazy, U.S. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene speaks during the Hillsborough County Republican Party's Lincoln Day dinner at 6.30 tonight. A Florida woman is accused of lying about being pregnant and having several illnesses to scam her boss and her co-workers out of paid leave time. Panama City Police say 33-year-old Hannah Catherine Firth pocketed $17,000 by submitting forged notes from a doctor claiming all sorts of medical maladies, including a high-risk pregnancy, a pregnancy with twins, a shunt placed in her brain, two emergency surgeries, and a C-section birth. She exhausted all her paid leave, and then Firth's co-workers donated theirs to help out, She's charged with grand theft. Finally today, a Florida man went to sleep in a Wendy's drive-thru this week, and it took the cops two minutes just to wake the guy up. Stephen Wolf of Delray Beach could not tell officers what day it was or where he was, but he confessed that he'd had three rum and cokes before his nap. Wolf refused to take a breath test and was booked into the Palm Beach County Jail. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again Monday as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. 